Coffee Podcast. Podcast with coffee about dogs and cats. And we're back again for another episode of Poffee Podcasts. Yes, with Grammy. With Grammy and coffee. Yes. Compassion juice. Compassion juice. What are we drinking today? So you did today's round. Can you hear that beautiful iced coffee sound? Yum, yum, yum. Yes, I went to Jude's Coffee, which is very close to our shelter and it is connected to the greatest thrift store in the world. God Storehouse. There are a lot of great thrift stores in Topeka. It's true. I think this one's close to home because it's near our shelter. It's connected to a coffee shop, which what more could you ask for? And they make really great coffee. I got a Reese's Cereal Milk Latte. Mm. So they create cereal milk, make lattes out of it, which is genius. Iced latte. And Grace, what did you get? Ooh, okay. So I got a lavender latte. And it's so delicious. They hand make their lavender syrup in-house. I don't know about you, but I think lavender is good year-round, the same way I think pumpkin is good year-round. I know lavender is supposed to be like a spring flavor, and we're merging into fall, but I'm going to be drinking lavender lattes all year long. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about God's Storehouse Forever, because it's a little bit hidden away. You can't just see it from the main street 21st, but they're really amazing. They're donating a $100 gift card. Mm-hmm to our silent auction for Bon Appetit in October, which I will definitely be bidding on. So come bid against me. Well, I will bid against you (laughs) because I also love God's Storehouse. We have a really exciting interview that we're doing on the show today with Margaret to tell us all about what it's like for an animal when they first come in and what it's like for people who might be bringing an animal into the shelter and what the process is. And there can be a lot of feelings of shame or guilt or failure of bringing your pet here. And so to kind of maybe help reduce some of the fear and help educate a little bit on what that process will look like and what we will do with your animal once they're here, Margaret Price is going to be on the show today just to walk us through what that's like and give some more just information for you so that you know what will happen if you are thinking about making that decision or if you have questions about what we do with animals once they're surrendered, then we can maybe answer some of that. We are here with Margaret Price. We really talked her up last week at the end of the episode, and we talked about interviewing her because she's amazing. She is pretty amazing. You guys are in for a real treat, getting to hear from Margaret. Hopefully we can make her laugh, and you'll hear that on the podcast. She's the expert on everything that has to do with everything at Helping Hands. She's a magician. Yep, she's had almost like every job here, it seems like. (laughs) Almost. But tell us what your current position is. I'm a supervisor over pretty much intake, kennels, our behavior assessments, and foster program. Yes, and you might hear us interchangeably say intake or admissions. These are the same things. This is the entrance to our building and the area where all animals that are incoming, coming into the shelter, are admitted and processed and all that. Mm -hmm. It's where it starts for an animal when they come to our shelter. Mm -hmm. So, Margaret, let's, if we can, we're just going to jump on in. I know we get a lot of questions either through Messenger or in the Lost and Found pages, and we want to maybe help explain some things to people about what the process is and maybe the difference between our stray process versus our owner surrender process. And so, just say I am bringing you my dog because maybe she's having some problems and she's growling at my new baby. I don't have a new baby, but this is all hypothetical. And I bring to you and I say, here's my dog. Off you go. First thing is we'd like for you to call and make an appointment to one to make sure we have enough room. So if you want to surrender an animal, we ask you to call and ask for our admissions department and make an appointment so we usually can get you in. So when you come in through the doors, we, one right now, ask you to wear a mask 
bring your ID with you and we will take your animal from you when you're ready. We're going to ask you some questions so when you're surrounding your animal, we like to get information from you about your animal so it's not really a quick process because we want to help the next adopter, the person, the next home he goes, he or she goes to, that we know a lot of information about to make that transition a little bit easier for them. So this is what we do. So we'll get some information from you on, you know, is it house trained? Is it good with kids? Um, does it know any basic commands? And we also want to know if there's any behavior or health issues too to help prepare the new adopter um, for the animal. So that's with the people. When we take the animal back to our back, we give them shots, we scan them for a chip, we give them wormer, we get them all ready to go into a kibble. Okay. And they usually will sit there for a couple of days. This is so that they can decompress. That's a really good idea not to move an animal too fast, but let them decompress. And then after that, they start their health and behavior assessment. And as long as they pass their behavior, they go to their health assessment and they get sterilized and they get moved out for adoption. If someone's bringing either a stray or a surrender, do they need them in a kennel, on a leash? They should. They should put them on a leash or in a kennel. You can always come pop in. If you have a cat in a car, just pop in and we can give you a crate or pop in and get a leash. But they really should enter with a leash or in a crate for the safety of you as well as for the animals because you don't know who's in our lobby that something could happen. So mm -hmm. it's always really important. And if they're bringing in a, a stray, that might be a little bit more last minute, but do you still recommend calling ahead even if they're in their car and on the way to our shelter? Do, just to make sure that we have we have room out of county. You really need to call, especially to make sure we have room. There are fees for out of county people, um, but call us. But if you find a stray, you sure can bring them in. We're here from 9.30 to 6. We actually really not try to wait till 6, but if you have to, we understand that. But we'll take them 9.30 to 6, 9.30 to 5 on Sunday, seven days a week except for holidays. And is the process of bringing a stray to us a bit shorter than the owner? It is, because we probably won't get as need as much information because you don't know that animal as well. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about the animal, we really would like to know that. If it's been around your kids and did well um, and things like that. But it is the same process of the shots and the tests are all the same. And we do hold them for four days, counting the day they come in, for four days to make sure there is not an owner that will claim them. Um, and after that, that's when they will start their health and behavior assessment. And you guys do offer scanning for a microchip even if they are willing to keep the stray animal at yes. home. If right? you decide to keep a stray animal, really you need to report that with us legally and just to help that you did everything you did, um, either us or a veterinarian to have it scanned for a chip to make sure there's not a chip, but also just calling us. And right now Topeka's got a great Facebook, several Facebook um, pages for Lost and Found or Next Door Neighbor apps are great also. And Craigslist is another way to check to see if someone has put in a loss report. And then we do require, so people are worried about, how do you know they don't have this around? We do require anybody to reclaim an animal. They have to have their ID on them. So that way, if there is an issue of someone taking the wrong dog, then we have their information for the authorities to get that. So it is required to have your ID to reclaim an animal. I always say if you do find a stray animal, your safest way is to call animal control to pick up that animal so that one is you're protecting yourself from be, um, aggressive behaviors or any contagious diseases. But if you can't, we get that. But animal control does bring them into us and then the process is the same for an animal. What we give them 
how long we wait is all the same. I know you say that they get shots when they get here. What kind of shots do they get? We give them a distemper parvo shot. That helps protect them. Um, we give them a border towel for kennel cough. We give them strongen if they have any worms to get those out of them. And then we give them a front line. Gotcha. What's the cat version? The cat version is it gets a distemper, front line, a wormer, and if they're younger than six months, they get a panazeril, because lately we've been seeing a lot of kittens with diarrhea, so we've been giving them panazeril to help them with that transition also, so they don't get such an upset stomach here and things like that. Do pocket pets get anything special? Our pocket pets, which are anything that's not a dog or a cat, do not get any shots or anything like that, um, but they do get a vet check and a little small behavior assessment um, before they go on the adoption floor, even if they are surrendered to. There is a three-day legal stray hold for stray animals, and I know you mentioned that animals who are surrendered still wait a couple days to decompress. Is there a general, um, like, two days, or do you try and do the um, same three days as a stray hold? What does that vary? Uh, no, it kind of varies because the, the, your behavior team um, will look at them and if they're, get, especially if the younger they are, less time they would really have to be to decompress because your puppies are usually the happy-go-lucky and they really take life in really good. And so they move, maybe move a little bit faster than maybe an older dog who needs that time to decompress. So we always say two to three days. And if they're still not, you know, still really shy or scared or not doing then again, we would wait even a little bit longer to get them a chance to adjust to, and then we have a team, a behavior team that works with them. Because I think some people in the community are worried that we make snap or quick decisions on dogs that are, seem afraid or don't seem social, but it, it seems like you guys would only move the process along quicker if they were doing great and potentially give more time for the right. ones that weren't right. warming up right I mean, away. you have to look at it. I mean, I was looking at the census just the other day. We had 22 dogs on a waiting behavior retest. That means the team has been working with 22 dogs. Mm-hmm. And so we usually work with them for a little over a week. If we do see an improvement, we move them along. And if we don't, we, we can talk as a team if, if it's something that we're not going to see an improvement, rescue, foster. So there's lots of other avenues for them, too. I know that one of the things that the shelter has started doing is letting people know that um, we won't be providing updates for if they surrender their animal. Um, Do you mind just talking about that a little bit and kind of what people can expect if they do call? Usually we would tell them that once they surrender an animal, um, we cannot guarantee it will go on the adoption floor. The other thing we tell them is that they will not get any information. They cannot call and get an update on them. And we did that because we just had a lot of people surrender a dog or a cat and then wanting them back and it just causes a lot of I don't know how to say little issues so we kind of just started putting that into place we really want you to think about it I mean we're not here just to be a boarding facility for a couple days and then decide you want your animals back so if you really want to surrender which we'd be glad to take we don't have any issues with that we just won't just give any information out so yeah I think part of that is probably that our staff's Time is very a very Correct. important resource. Mm-hmm. We want Correct. to make sure they're spending their time mm-hmm. on the most important Correct. tasks mm-hmm. and not yeah. maybe someone wanting an update every day. I can understand wanting an update every day. And but. I understand too and things like that. But there's other avenues before they want to sprint around motorists. Give um, they sure can give me a call. They can call intake, and we can give them other avenues, other ideas where they could go if they didn't want to turn their animal over and didn't want like that policy, so to speak, there's Mm -hmm. other avenues we can give them instead if they want that.
correct. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that makes, for me, that makes a lot of sense because I work here in animal welfare. I know for people who aren't in this field, um, maybe don't understand that, because it seems, it, it seems to our community is that it comes across mean of like, well, I don't want, I, what if I want updates? What if I want to know daily? Is my dog doing okay? Is my, and I think there has to be some type of owner relationship modification of, I mean, the animal is surrendered and they're going to potentially be living with another family and they're going right. to, you know, and we, because we can't guarantee that they're going to pass their series of assessments, whether it be behavioral or medical, we don't want to get people's hopes up and we also don't want to have them start feeling a certain way towards our staff because of you know issues that may be outside of our control correct and also not to make a quick decision Mm -hmm. and sometimes I think we do that and then realize two or three days later it's like oh so really Mm -hmm. before you surrender your animal just I mean I always say if you're angry at your pet Mm -hmm. sometimes that's what we get people are angry because your pet has done something Mm -hmm. wait a couple of days and see if those feelings change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get very frustrated with my own pets sometimes and thinking, why? <laughs> but then after a couple of days, they'll make me laugh and I love them. And so just kind of just, just do that. We understand there are certain circumstances you cannot control. And again, just call us and we can sure help you out. Is there ever a time that Helping Hands will turn away an owner-surrendered animal? The only thing that we do request, because it does take resources from us and availability if your animal has bit you really need to wait that 10-day bite quarantine and that is for the safety of the person at bit by state law we have to quarantine for 10 days that does take up space here for us to quarantine an animal so if you have an owner surrender and has bit someone you really need to quarantine it with you for 10 days i can help you give you ideas where to quarantine it and how to quarantine it then after that make that appointment and we'll get you in with the appointments, does that just mean that they may end up having to wait, a, you know, a few days out rather than have it be an urgent? Um, dogs is with usually within a week. Um, during our busy cat and kitten season, it might be a couple of weeks. So, but we try to get you in as soon as possible. Because we do talk a lot about, you know, that we're open admission, that we don't turn animals mm-hmm. away, but you're just trying to juggle what resources we have, how much space we have to, like, do a Tetris when they're coming in to make Correct. sure there's kennels open for Correct. the animals that are and coming then, in. Because if we can spread them out, then some of your behavior problems or your health issues, we'd have more room to work with them. So it does help. Overall, it does help the other animals that are already here too if we can have that space and spread them out. My so. only other quick question was any like advice or what people should do if they're missing their pet. I would say the best thing to do is always to come down and take a look. You're going to describe your, especially cats. All black tan tiger cats look the same. It's really hard to know the difference. There are different breeds, you know, of dogs, which we can kind of tell. The best thing is always call us and come down and see. This is the best, best thing to do. But you can call and see if we got anything from that area. And again, someone might pick up from one area, take it home, and gets lost from their area, which might not even be close. So I always say it's always best to check. The other thing is, is ID is the biggest thing you can do for your pets. I always say, okay, he's yet to come in and tell me their name and phone number and address. I can't call you. Having ID, microchip, tag, or something, even I have people who put their ID on their collars. They write it in, in Sharpie and they just keep tracing, but it has the dog's name and the dog's phone number. It's a way that they don't lose their collar, but ID is so important to get these animals back. Yeah. You know, it's really important. You know, and I, I think with cats, let them stick around. Cats don't always have to come in right away because people have indoor outdoor cats. 
and they're allowed to run loose. I yeah, so say you see a cat in your neighborhood yeah. that you don't recognize, but as long as they look healthy and happy, it might be best for them to just leave them alone. If you look at a cat, talk to a cat, touch a cat, and feed a cat and water a cat, that cat's going to say, you're my new best friend, and I'm going to come stay with you. <laughs> and go. And cats will go from home to home to anybody who will give it attention. So I always say, if you see a cat, just totally ignore it. If you do bring a cat in and you see it back in your neighborhood, someone's got an indoor outdoor cat. So, you know, and there's now colonies of cats that are ear-tipped that someone's taking care of them and they're strictly an outdoor cat. What about after hours? If somebody finds a stray and it's after hours? A lot of times you can keep an eye on that stray. Hopefully sometimes they might just go back home. If it's injured or being aggressive, you still can call animal control after hours. And a lot of times they will come out and pick it up. But if it's not injured and if it's not being really aggressive, a lot of times if you just leave it and just kind of watch it, a lot of times they do. A lot of times they do go back home. And um, I've heard some people kind of like got them maybe into their backyard with some food and water, mm-hmm. or took them into their house or garage if they were pretty friendly. Correct. And then you could bring them to us the next day. The next day, or call animal control. If you call mm-hmm. animal control at night, they'll send someone out first thing in the morning because that'd be the first thing on their log sheet. Mm-hmm. So they'll come out and get pick it up first thing in the morning. Usually they come on at eight o'clock in the morning. City comes in at 8, county comes in I think around 10. Are people still allowed or encouraged to take animals to Stonehouse after hours for us? Yes, they sure can. They just have to ring the doorbell if they're closed and things like that. I've been in here for this business for a long time and I agree, you don't want a dog to get hit by a car. You don't want your cat to get hit by a car. A lot of times dogs will go home. A lot of times those cats will go home. Unless they're really just hanging at your house, not leaving your yard, I think that's different. But if you see a dog going down the street, you can watch it, make sure it doesn't get hit by a car. But a lot of times they are going to go home. Or if you can, those Facebook pages that are so active, you Mm -hmm. can take a picture or get a description of what it looks like and its current location. So any owners looking for For it, it, they can go that way. And again, you can shoo them out of the street and away from the street. You can kind of follow them for little while just to see, to make sure they're not running in and out of the street and things like that. Do you think that we admit more owner surrenders or strays? Strays. Gotcha. Or strays. But some of those strays, we pretty are sure that they own that animal. Don't, I always say, don't feel bad. Well, you're going to feel bad, but try not to feel guilty. We'd rather have you be honest and say, this is your pet, than say it's a stray because we want to get information. That can help save that dog or cat's life because if we get information from you knowing certain things about it, then we know what to work with. If it's a stray and we don't know that those behaviors, that's hard. So we really want you to be honest and say, this is my animal, and that's okay. When I talk to people, and I always say, I, I will always respect a decision that you make. When you're bringing in an animal, I will respect that decision. Um, I just ask that you have the same respect when we have to make a decision on that animal, too, mm-hmm. because it's not an easy decision for us. Um, we try to do what is best for each and every animal. Everyone's an individual case. It's not like all pit bulls we don't adopt out because they're a pit bull. We look at each pit bull individually. We look at each dog and cat individually and what we're going to do, what the process is going to be for them. So, Emmy and I do a Mythbuster on our podcasts. Um, okay. And we, we do. And one thing that um, I think you've answered a lot of that we do see in the comments sometimes is don't surrender the animal to helping hands because they're just going to put it down. And so, we really want to do a myth bust that we actually do everything we can we to prevent do. that. That is really a misconception. It, 
you know, I'm not going to disagree so much of that maybe years ago, especially when we were in our old building. I think that's where that concept came from because we were a very small organization and we we're getting a lot more animals than we are nowadays. I mean, I think our intake numbers are going down a little bit each year, you know, being a little bit better. And so that is really a myth. We do not, unless they are medically necessary, and that is done by a veterinarian who's trained in that field to decide if that animal needs to be medically be humanely euthanized. And that would be the only thing. Other than that, no, we've got rescues. We've got other shelters we work with. So we do our part as much as... But we're also going to do our part is keeping the community safe, keeping your animals safe. So we do have to look at that also. We want to keep the community safe. I personally will not want a dog, ne I mean, dog next to me that might jump the fence and attack and kill my dogs. I mean, we got to look at that or get out and attack my child. Those are things that we do have to look at, and I know that's hard. Or a dog who is a very emotionally shut down and very unhappy in life. Mm -hmm. we got to look at that, too, and then their health. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good Thank myth, Beth. Margaret, you are a rock star. Margaret. You would be. We knew you'd okay. be a dream. Always dropping knowledge. Yes. Margaret, knowledge dropping price. We want to give a shout-out. We want to give a shout-out to some of our faithful listeners, all five of you who are out there. <laughs> all y'all. All of you. So, um, we found out Margaret has listened. We were like, we're interviewing you for this podcast we're doing. And she's like, oh, yeah, I've listened to some of it. And we're like, oh, what? what? And then <laughs> we found out that our board president had listened to it. And we were like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, the pressure's on. <laughs> and so, um, but there's a few of you out there. Hello, Joellen. Hello, Chris Miller, Lynn Powell, um, Kiyomi Grease, who have given us feedback and let us know that that you've been listening so we're giving some little shout outs here and there so if you are listening to this podcast Mariah and Janelle um, <laughs> you know just make sure that you're commenting or letting us know so that we can ensure that we give you a shout out mm -hmm. um, and then we kind of know who maybe we're talking to out there yeah Okay, so last week we ended on a funny story, and that made me think of my... I'm pretty sure it was my first day. If not, it was, like, within the first week of working here, and I started working at Helping Hands when we were at the old shelter, this little dinky building up north, where people did a lot of good work. They did the best that they could with what they had, but what we had was not a lot. And one of my first days at work, there was a pit bull on the roof of the building. I remember, like, hearing people. So we had two little sections. We, we communicated very closely because there were basically two sections that people worked in. We were all really close, pretty much up in each other's business all the time. So you always knew what was going on with everybody all the time. And suddenly everyone was like, oh my gosh, there's a dog on the roof. What's happening? So we ran outside and look up. And sure enough, so the roof wasn't very high on the old building. And there were a couple of spots where dogs, if they were, you know, kennel climbers or whatever, could finagle their way up there. And there was this real athletic pit bull that was just, like, looking as happy as could be to have gotten on top of the roof. And Nikki, who used to work with us and worked in admissions, was the one who was just like staring at him with her hands on her hips like, what are you doing? And eventually <laughs> got him down. But um, that was quite an adventure. That's hilarious. What I experienced at the old building that we will never experience here. The roof is far too high. Welcome to work. Right? This is what you're dealing with I was now. like, okay, this is working in an animal shelter. It will never be boring, and it never has been. That is, you're right. Every day is 
is different. I think that's a good point is you just never know um, what you're going to bump into because animals like people have a variety of personalities. I know Margaret talked a lot about how we take animals case by case and that they're just we try and make things be as consistent as we can but just because animals are so different they all have their quirks you know and they all have maybe their own needs like that little teeny Mr. Penumbra was that his name the little terrier who needed a topper on his kennel because he could climb anything like a monkey which mm-hmm. was pretty amazing. Yep. Um, so we once we learned that I was like oh well we'll keep a graded topper on his, his kennel but there's just no black and white way of moving an animal through the shelter but we really do our best to you know keep it consistent and as objective as possible mm-hmm. speaking of black and white should we yeah, mention that we got of course two kittens okay uh office kitten update yeah a lot has happened since the last time happened. we mentioned Bobby and that he had to be on a 10 day quarantine, yes. which kind of turned out to be a blessing in disguise because being on that quarantine, he was kind of forced to be on K dress for his broken back leg, mm-hmm. which healed really well during that Magically. time. Magically, And then the first day, his first day back when he was available for adoption, he got adopted. He did. With a friend, right? He did. Yes. He got adopted with another kitten. Um, and the gentleman who adopted him, his name is Randy. Hello, Randy from Capital City Nissan also came in and sponsored all of our senior kids. Oh, yeah. That we had. Awesome. Um, he said his wife loves cats, and she just was um, very much touched by Bobby's story and his being um, on the highway ramp with a broken leg at like four weeks old. So, yay, Bobby. He's happily in his home, and we have now clean sanitized the office. And I got, just before we started recording this podcast, I got two new little kittens in. Yes. They're um, named Mooney and Tacoma. Since we have a little bit more capacity right now to be able to provide a little bit more specialized care right now, neither Emmy or I have medical cases, although we still have Polly, but Polly's kind of claimed everybody's office as his own. Yeah. He, like, comes back to check in every now and then, like a little angsty teenager, but mostly that's he wants our, to... Yeah, that's our way of saying the cult has claimed Polly. Yeah. The cat cult. Yeah, the cat cult. the executive yeah. director's office. Yeah, he comes and checks in, like, maybe once or twice a day, and he's like, what's up, Mom? Just changing my clothes and switching my laundry, and I'm going back out with my friends. So yeah. I don't see Polly too much, so I moved two little kittens in here now. And so Emmy and I have been working with some behavioral cats who are kind of at the cusp of where they are maybe had been feral as kittens, um, but they're still young enough that they can be socialized without being, you know, entirely feral and not at all interested in humans. Our cat care coordinator, Kerrigan, is really good at picking out the kittens who are shy but really have that potential to be friendly and just need a little extra attention and love. So I actually have a new office kitten named Andoril. We're calling her Andy for short. She's named after a sword from Lord of the Rings, if you know that reference. And she is, she's just so scared by new sounds, new things, runs and hides, has this big scared kitten eyes. But once you convince her to come close to you, she loves attention and will start purring and kind of switches. Yes. So those are the types of kittens yes. we have in our offices right now. Yes. So my two that moved in are Mooney and Tacoma. I named Mooney Mooney because it's an all black cat with these huge white whale eyes. <laughs> like just I'm um, looking around at the world like, what is this? So, Mooney, because your eyes are as big as moons. And then Tacoma, here we go with some Grace singing again. Tacoma's my favorite country song right now. I don't know the name of it, but I hear it a lot. And it's Blue Tacoma, California. And that's the little line, and it's stuck in my head all the time. Nice. So, I named the other one Tacoma. And me being a Harry Potter fan, which I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast yet. So, if there's any Harry Potter fans listening, I'm your girl. I'm imagining that Mooney is... A werewolf, of course, because oh, of Harry Potter, yeah. one of the 
code names for the werewolf is Mooney. When you come in tomorrow, see if there's anything weird that's in there. <laughs> okay. We've noticed As we just had a new moon, so it'll be a while until the full moon, but we'll okay. definitely have to check around that time. Yep. Yep. We got everything in this episode, an interview, some singing by Grace. Office cat update, a myth buzz, everything you could ever ask for. That's right. But we do, I do like Lynn Powell's idea of talking about careers working in an animal mm-hmm. shelter for any teachers or kids or parents that have kids that love animals. Um, that will definitely be something we can explore in the future. And in our conversation with Margaret, we also got on the topic of feral cats, community cats, and that's a whole topic that mm-hmm. could take up several interviews itself. So we have content for days. We could do this podcast for years and probably never run out of animal welfare content. So tune in next week because next week we're going to be talking with our behavior specialist, Lindsay. She does step two of the intake process. Once an animal's off stray hold, they start their behavioral assessments and Lindsay oversees that program. So she's going to kind of talk to us about what those tests look like and um, what kind of behaviors they look for and what kind of behaviors we work with here at the shelter. And she's going to answer all those FAQs about behavior. Yes. And hopefully our episodes will be out every Thursday at 10 a.m. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and he has to edit out a lot of my singing, so it takes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason Grace wanted to start this podcast is for people who may be out there still quarantining, working from home, not getting to do as much out in the real world to be listening. Mm-hmm. So we want to remind you we're all in this together. As always, we're all in this together. All in this together. <laughs> We were trying really hard not to laugh at you dropping your glasses for you being notorious at losing your glasses. <laughs> and right. I would have found them. Walking out office. of this office with your glasses, your phone, and oh. you got your keys. Yeah. They were on my floor, and I was like, man, if she oh, leaves without my glasses. I would never know where they I know. were. <laughs>